0: there. We looked at this a little bit last week. Uh, he kind of believes it's foolish, but it's also necessary. Remember what I, the verses we looked at last week in Proverbs. You know, answer not a fool according to his folly. Then the next verse, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceits. And I think Paul is at this place here. he's answering a fool according to their folly, lest they be wise in their own conceits. And because he has a heart for this church, not just because he's trying to get back at them, not just because he's trying to get one up and like just trying to, you know, stop their mouth. No, he, he has a goal and a desire for this church that it'd be healthy, that, that it would glorify God. And we looked last week at, at you know, some of the caution he, and the warning that he gave them about, about uh, what we call devils in the pulpit. He said, You would bear them you know and uh, he understood their weakness and their immaturity and, but and he went on to go on with these devils in the pulpit to to be warned of the deception and the secretiveness we we know how these these operate they they, they haven't changed have they you know the, those that come in they haven't changed he says they don't preach Christ they don't preach the gospel they're transforming right which means what they've they're, they're not what they, they they present themselves to be something they are not and they always present themselves better than they are. And he was concerned about it because in verse 4 he said, you might, bear, you, you might well bear with them. You might allow them to take place in the church. And this concerned Paul because he knew it, was, it would hurt them. He knew it would destroy this church. And like, like anybody with a genuine heart for God, nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to watch a church fall apart. Who loves God? Nobody wants to see a, a a a a one of God's churches come to an end, and so Paul was so I believe concerned with the immaturity of this flock that here he is forced to defend himself, and uh, not really for himself, but so that this carnal church would realize that you know you've got some problems. You're not what you think you are. You you really have some issues. And uh, some of these things, as a, as being a pastor as long as you have, and and for the short time I've been a pastor, I, I I'm telling you the, the verse chapters eleven and twelve just uh, they just resound so well. There's so many things in here that you understand, and and there is at times when you just finally have to say something, you know, when when you get accusation after accusation after accusation after accusation, and you and you respond with. You know, be careful, you know, praying for you. Let's make sure you don't go there. And finally, it's like, okay, you need to shut up (laughs) because you're being a fool. I'm sorry. You know, that's eventually you have nobody. I I don't like getting there. You know, thankfully, it was only one time since here I've had to just, just lay down and say, okay, this, 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 this. Pretty much you're wrong. You're wrong. And you are headed in a place that is going to destroy you. And I don't want to see that for you. I really don't. I don't. And uh, you don't, nobody likes getting it. When Paul says, I feel like a fool, I understand. You don't want it. Nobody wants to start uh, throwing out, you know, their, you know, all that they do to try to, you know, vouch for themselves and their legitimacy. Nobody likes that. But Paul didn't want Satan to get this church. And he went to this place of playing the fool, per se, uh, to try to steer them away from the direction that they are going, and in these last three chapters of Second Corinthians, it, it is it is amazing to me to watch Paul's—I don't know a better way to say this—but Paul's humanity on display. Right, no doubt he's been hurt. No doubt he is is sad. No doubt he's troubled about where this church is. It's not where he wants it to be. He hates the danger that this church is in. And again, he's going to go where he doesn't want to go. Hopefully that he will get their attention and get them to change course. So here's the question, though, I'd like to answer tonight. We'll get it to the to the end here in just a little bit. And the question I want to answer tonight is: how is Paul able to endure the hardship in his life in this ministry at Corinth? There's something here that we need to see in paul 's life here how he's able even to bear this how he's able to continue and stay faithful in in something that is uh that is hard on him that that is overwhelming that is a hardship and I want you to notice here in verses sixteen through twenty he tells the church here at corinth chapter eleven i'm sorry verse sixteen uh look look what he says here in verse 16 I say again let no man think me a fool if otherwise yet as a fool receive me that I may boast myself a little right here, here, here the, That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. When he says, I speak it not after the Lord, you know, the Lord Jesus didn't deal with these issues here in his earthly life, right? Essentially what Paul's going through. And uh, this is not to say this is not the inspired word of God. It is. But uh, the, the Lord didn't deal with this. But Paul says, I'm, I have to deal with, I'm going to deal with this. It's still of the Lord, right? But as it were foolishly, in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many glory after the flesh. He says, I will also then, right? If you want to go this route to, 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 uh, uh, to find, if, if you want to put, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The value and prominence in somebody's flesh. Well, fine, let's go there. I'll go there if that's if that's what really gets you you to go oh to follow somebody if that's what really causes you to follow uh, so I, I will go there look what he says seeing that many glory after flesh I will glory also for ye suffer fools gladly that word suffer means to allow for ye suffer fools gladly seeing you yourselves are wise right for ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage and if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, he says, you'll suffer this person. You'll allow this person to influence your life and you will follow him. Isn't that amazing? Haven't you, haven't you watched this in some people and they follow some people and you go, what are you doing? It's, it's like they don't care about you. Obviously, they don't care about you, but there's something that you are allowing them as a force in your life to to move you and, and a force in your life that you follow them and they are not for you, they're for themselves. Isn't it amazing? As, as a pastor, I know, brother, you have seen this in church members. It's sad. You hate to see it. And you give them the Word of God. You give them the Word of God. You give them truth. You give them help for their life. You counsel them. And then some Yehu comes along and just shoo, and they're just, oh, they're, they're, here they go. And you're like, what on earth? They don't even care about you. Yeah. Paul's worried about this. Right? He's concerned about this. Look at, look at verse 21. For I speak, I, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, where, whereinsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly, I'm bold also. Right? I I don't know. Have you ever noticed how? And I don't know if this is just an aspect of our fallen, uh, some of our fallen uh, flesh, you know, our our human, some of our human nature there. But it's amazing to see how people will follow the arrogant and the brash almost anywhere. Right? Right. I've said this before, and uh, you (laughs) you might find this. I, I I I you know what I say. You know what I mean by this, but. I've said this, it's not true across the board, but it seems like nice guys don't build big churches. There are some wonderful people out there are wonderful that build big. But what I'm saying is, it seems like the ones that just, it's like people follow them. And they're arrogant, and they're rude, and they're mean, and they're unloving, and they have these huge followings. And I don't know, I don't know if it's just a part of our fallen nature that we just have this this uh, desire to follow the, something that seems strong like that. I, we could analyze that forever, but uh, that's not the point here tonight. But here it is, Paul is telling them, you know, you, you're, you're, you follow these people. Why are you following this? He says, if you want to go that route and be and, and you like this, this, this boldness, tell you what, I, I'm bold also. I'm bold also. Look what he says in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Okay, fine. So am I. Check, check, check. All these things that you like. I am as well. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I'm just being silly here. He says, I am more. Right? I am more. Nobody's really more of a servant of Christ, a minister of Christ than anybody else is. Right? But look what he says. I am more. Look, look, Look at this in labors more abundant in stripes above measure in prison more frequent in deaths oft in deaths how many can how many times can you die right he was left for dead outside remember that when they stoned him outside of it was a Lister, i think it was and they left him for dead and uh that uh, he got up later and went back into the city again and preached some more in deaths oft of the jews five times received i 40 stripes save 1 right 5 times 4 is what there's 200 stripes minus 500 195 stripes yikes yeah thrice was i beaten with rods once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often in perils of water, perils of robbers, perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by the heathen and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren in weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold. In nakedness, and beside all of those that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. This guy, Paul's a tough cookie man, right? I remember our pastor years ago, uh, in Aurora, we'd get uh, students from BBC that would come down and help out, you know, at the church, and uh, he called them homing pigeons because they always had to go home every weekend, wherever they were from, they always had to go home. It's like, why can't you just stay around where God puts you? Always got to go home. Always got to go. <laughs> and and uh, there is there a, a certain toughness of the servants of God that I would say personally is not in me uh, and, and is probably not as common as it used to be in some. But I tell you what, uh, some, of these, some of these men and women that served God in years ago, they were tough. They were tough. Some of them went to the stake and were burned. Yeah, young people. Older people, women, men. I'm telling you what, the righteous are as bold as a lion, right? But the wicked flee when no man pursueth, right? The wicked flee when no man Yeah, yeah. Paul's tough. Yeah. Obviously this church was, uh, was impressed with superstars. <laughs> Obviously they were impressed with those that came along that, that built themselves up as really being something. And Paul was like, okay, Fine. Fine, here you go. I wonder if they had known about Paul's credentials earlier, if they would have responded to him differently. But see, Paul was such a, a character of him has such character. He didn't want people to follow him. Follow him. He wanted. He said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Right. If he wanted people to follow him, he could have come to the church and said, "Hey, do you know who I am? I am this. I am this. I do this. I've done this." He could have had. I mean, slides all over the case or. What are they now? Videos? He could have shown us videos all over of all of his... This is where I was shipwrecked. Three days and a night. I mean, he could have had, he could have had emotional uh, closings at the end of all of his messages and just drawn him in emotionally with all of the things that he suffered. And I tell you, there could have been weeping and wailing at an altar and all of these things. He didn't do that. Obviously. Because now he is. Right. Yeah. It wasn't who he was because he didn't want people to follow him. There were a preacher I know very well i don't it's recorded here, so i don't want to say who it is and but I know him very well like like we've known each other our whole lives well anyway that's enough. He invited a man to preach in his church, and uh, the guy was too busy, too busy. He was a pretty well known preacher in this uh area, and uh, until he was at a meeting that this individual's church was hosting a big national meeting. It was in another country, and I'm giving too much away. And a big national meeting, and he's like, oh, wow. I didn't know your church was this big. Oh, wow. And then it was like, hey, you want me to come preach for you? And the guy said, no, thanks. No. You were too busy last time when you, th- you thought it was too small. Yeah. Now that it looks good to you, now you're interested. No, thanks. I'll find somebody else. Paul would rather glory in his infirmities. Look what he says here. Look in uh, verses twenty-three through twenty-eight. I read all the way down here. Look at verse twenty-nine. Who is weak? Am not? Am I not weak? Who is offended? And I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern mine infirmities. The And he's going to get to this a little bit later. His infirmities. He said, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. Are you listening to his words here? In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city of, Dema- uh, of the Damasc- Damascenes, however you pronounce it, with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket, I was let down by the wall and escaped his hands. I mean, this guy's been through some trials. Amen. But as we go into chapter 12, he's going to continue on. Not, not only does he know what it is to be bold, not only does he have the credentials, he knows the miraculous as well. Look at verses 1 through 6, chapter 12, verse 1. It is, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. He says, I don't need to do this. Right? He says, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. You see that? Obviously, this wasn't the foundation of Paul's ministry visions and revelation because he's telling them about it now obviously he hasn't said much about it before right maybe a little bit but this isn't the point this isn't this isn't what his ministry is based upon it's not based upon the miracles. It's not based upon all of the revelation that he has of God. And, 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 the, and it's not based on the acquaintances that he knows of the miraculous. 2 through 5, not only has he had these things, but he knows people that have seen more than he has. Look at this. Verse 2, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell. Whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. <laughs> Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He's got some, he knows some people, right? You know what I find amazing about this? How many, how many books are out there written about people who went to heaven? I said, why'd well, God let them write about it? And you know, these guys couldn't write about it, Right? He says it's not lawful to. Everybody. Remember John in Revelation. There's some things he wasn't allowed. He couldn't write. He wasn't allowed to write. But yeah, this 12-year-old boy can write all about in his book about what he saw in heaven. Yeah. Anyway, that's something else. He knows some people. He knows the miraculous. He knows these people and acquaintances. But this is not what he wants to be known for. Look at verse 6. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Paul doesn't want these as the foundation of why people follow. Right? It's not what he wants to be known for. he He's not a Benny Hinn. Yeah. He is not a Kenneth Copeland. He's not a Kenneth Hagen. He's not a Jesse Duplantis. He's not this guy that all they're known for is their supposed fake miracles and wonders and signs and all of these things they supposedly see. And some of the, a lot of the things just being outright blasphemous. Paul didn't want to be, this wasn't the point of his ministry. Although he actually did see this stuff. And we doubt any of the other guys here. It's not what he wanted to be known for. But he says to the church, if you want to go this way, okay, here. This is what I do. This is what I know. This is what I do. But not only this does he know the miraculous. Not only is Paul bold. Not only does he have all these acquaintances that have some of these uh, visions and revelations and things that they've seen. But uh, but on top of all of this, uh, Paul knows physical suffering. He was given a thorn in the flesh. Given. See that word there? Verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure. Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So he was given a, given, given a thorn in the flesh. It is called a messenger of Satan. Right. What, what, what does Satan do? He destroys this wasn't something that, you know, was necessarily supposed to help Paul. This was something that was supposed to hurt Paul. Maybe something, hopefully, to get him out of the ministry. No doubt Satan would have loved Paul out of the ministry. Remember, Paul's one of Paul's greatest concerns was he said, Lest I become a castaway. Right. He was concerned about that. It was a messenger of Satan. This purpose, it says, was that he should not be exalted above measure. It was to humble him, he's saying. And, but then it goes on to say that he asked God three times to remove it. Three times he went to the Lord and said, Remove this thorn. Please remove it. And God's answer was this. He said unto me, verse 9, My grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Look at Paul's conclusion after what the Lord spoke to him. Look what he says here. I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Wait a minute. Did you catch that? The power of God was not in visions and revelations and miracles. It was in infirmities. Do you realize that if signs and wonders could build your faith and give you power, the children of Israel would have never died in the wilderness and they've gone in and conquered Canaan without a problem. They had more signs and wonders than we will ever have and than many after them have. But obviously signs and wonders don't build faith. Oh, I have several friends, several friends that are in that word of faith Charismatic movement, and they're constantly trying to do signs. They're constantly wanting to pray over people to be healed. They're constantly wanting to do this because they believe that they will be uh, that they will turn in faith to God. And and I okay, I, maybe I don't doubt that they're they're sincere and they they have a sincerity in wanting people to come to Christ. No doubt, but the Bible is pretty clear. Uh, that's not really where it is. Look what he says. The power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore will I take pleasure in infirmities. Wait a minute. The power of God shows up in our weakness. Shows up in our infirmity. Are you letting Paul's words sink in tonight? Are you seeing some of his humanity? Are you seeing some of his his heart with this church. This is a load to bear. Not accounting all of the other churches. Now, thankfully, he has, the, he has the Philippi church, churches at Philippi and things like that that are a blessing to him. But I'm telling you, this is a burden. This is a huge burden on him. Verses 11 through 12 Signs and wonders and authority. Look what he goes on to say. Well, verse 10, let me, let me finish up there. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Verse 11, I am become a fool in glorying. Yet, look what he says, ye have compelled me. He said, I, I didn't want to go here. You've compelled me to do this. For I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. What's he saying? I have, all of, I have, I have the same authority. At one point, you remember when he went up to Jerusalem, he actually really wasn't that impressed, if you look at it. yeah, He had just as much authority as they did. And he goes on to say, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds... For what is it wherein ye were inferior to other churches? Except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. He said, you got everything that every other church got from me. You didn't lack anything from me. The only thing that you lacked was I wasn't chargeable to you. I, I, I robbed other churches so you didn't have to pay me. I took from other churches so, I, so you didn't have to take care of my needs. I went. I, I was not chargeable to you. Fourteen. Behold, the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay it for the parents, but the parents for the children. And he's going on here to say how it is. This is the response. His responsibility to to. Uh, he is as the parent to this church. It's his responsibility. Children aren't supposed to be providing for the parents. Parents are supposed to be providing for the children, until it comes time for them to buy your nursing home. Then you hope you've been nice to them and they get you a nice one. But uh, before that, yeah, no, it's a blessing when you do a funeral for a family and you say, "House finance is okay." They said, "Oh, they took care of everything. They started years ago, paid for it. It's all done. We didn't have to do anything. That's a blessing. It ought to be that way." And, uh, but notice what he says: signs and wonders. They had an abundance of attention from Paul. It's not like he just wasn't there enough. And no, he spent a lot of time with this church. But notice this here, boy. If this is not if this doesn't resonate. For all of those who minister to people. And that's not just a pastor. God gives all of us somebody to minister to. Look at verse 15. And I'll very very gladly spend and be spent for you. Paul says, I love that. I don't mind it at all. I'll pour myself out for you. But look what he says. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. You ever notice that in life? The more you give to somebody, the one you give the most to is the one who stabs you first. The one you pour the most into is the one that, uh, that, that uh, betrays you first. Just part of it. Part of it. It's attributed tribute to Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if it's true or not. But uh, supposedly one of his generals came to him and said, Sir, so-and-so is saying this about you. And supposedly Lincoln said, That's funny. I don't remember doing anything for him. <laughs> yep. Look at verse 17. Did I make gain of you by any of them who I sent unto you? I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walked we not in the same spirit? Walked we not in the same steps? Nobody took advantage of you, church. Nobody came in and just to try to, 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 to bilk you out of, out, of, out of a living and out of funds just to walk on and do their own thing. They didn't do that at all. Nobody did this to you. Again, thinking not that we excuse ourselves unto you, we speak before God and Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. He was concerned about why is Paul doing this? Why is Paul going to this place where he doesn't want to go? Why is he acting, quote, like in his words, the fool? And going to areas of playing the cards that he doesn't really want to play? Verse 24, For I fear less when I come, I shall not find you as such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as ye would not. I don't want to find you where you shouldn't be, and you don't want to find me coming when you, where you shouldn't be. It's kind of like when you're a kid and, right, and your parents came home and it wasn't the right time for them to come home. <laughs> According to you, it wasn't the right time for them to come home. No, they didn't want to find you there and you didn't want to find them there. <laughs> right. Boy, I remember I was out in the woods one time playing with my my Tonka trucks and the, man, it was a big construction site. I had big trucks all over the place and there was dirt work going. It was an awesome site there. And uh, there's, a, there's a slight construction accident you got to have construction, you got to have tragedy on the construction sites once in a while. And I was sitting there with these massive rocks, well I thought they were. I was pretty small, but anyway, and I'm just dropping them on my Tonka truck because uh, I mean, come on. You have rock slides and things. I mean, things like this happen, right? And I'm dropping them and I'm I'm having a grand time. It was probably the late 70s and I had the shorts up to about here and out of nowhere there is a switch on the back of my leg. You know, my dad was part Indian. I think he just snuck. I didn't hear him coming. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to get in trouble. I couldn't hear him coming. Man, and he said, "You don't wreck your toys." Whew. Yeah, we didn't have any more accidents after that, you know. <laughs> then they had to put that red, oh, the red stuff. Remember the, what it was? The iodine, whatever they put on the cuts. That was worse. That was that was worse than I should just cut my fingers off or something, but and uh yeah. I was somewhere where he found me where he didn't want to find me, and I found him where I didn't want to find him, right? And uh, Paul says, I don't want this for you. I don't want it when I come. He's coming. He says coming again. When I come, I don't want to find you where you ought not to be, and I don't want you to be in a place that when I, come, I show up that you're ashamed of. What is he wanting for this? He, he wants them to, to do well. He wants them to be right with God. He wants them to be prosperous. He wants them to be growing and maturing in Christ. When Paul shows up, he doesn't want it to be a mess. And so he's going to this place, a place where he doesn't want to go. He's putting himself out there. So hopefully he'll wake him up. So here's the question at the end of this all. With some application, they'll be done. How can Paul do this? I mean, the, he already has the burden of all the churches. He, has, he does have health issues, no doubt. No doubt. He's already been through a lot. How does he continue with this church like this? Why hasn't he written them off? Right? Because it's a question not only that Paul answers, it's a question we got to answer for ourselves at times. That's why I'm going to the application here. Let me give you three, three reasons, and two of the ones, the, the last one is the big one I want you to notice. Number one, he is a servant. Can I tell you that'll help you? When God puts you in a place in your life when you are serving other people, and it's not going well, and you just don't want to serve anymore? It'll help you when you realize you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Acts twenty-seven twenty-three: "For there stood by me an angel uh, this night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve." All through, the, new, uh, all through the, the epistles of Paul, you see Paul, in one fashion or another, talk about him being a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That one over, I believe, in Revelation, or in, in Romans, that word servant is that word uh, doulos, is like a, I think it was doulos, like a third-level galley slave. He said, I'm just a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a servant. We're servants. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what what helps you go on? Right? When you remember that. Here's another one that helps you go on. Jesus already warned us what was going to happen. Right? John 15, he's talking to his disciples, 18 through 21. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He said, if you're of the world... The world, they they wouldn't hate you, right? Remember the words that I say unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will I do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Jesus says, what they did to me, they're going to do to you. He warned us. If you're going to serve God, and if you're going to serve people by serving God, You've got to remember you're a servant. You gotta we've got to remember that Jesus already warned us it's not gonna go well. They're not gonna receive it sometimes. They're not gonna respond right. Here's number three. This church at Corinth. I'm trying to think how to word this. Go back up into verses 7 through 9. I'm going to show you this. And he talked about the thorn in his flesh. Right. And then in verse 8, he besought the Lord thrice. Verse 9, Lord Jesus said, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Then look what Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my, notice this word, infirmities. Maybe where God has you tonight is an infirmity. Maybe the load that you're carrying tonight as you serve God and serve people, maybe it's an infirmity. It's an infirmity. You know what helps you go on? It's where the power of God is. The power of God is in the infirmities. Look, when there's weakness, this is where God shows up, where the weakness is. Where the weakness is. Right. Grace, wait, Grace is enough when circumstances are too much. I think this helped Paul. But we're all servants as well, aren't we? We serve God. We serve people. We've all been given ministries. It's, everybody's is different. Everybody's is different. Yeah. But we all have something, a way that God has given us to serve Him and to serve other people. And can I tell you tonight, we know this. this the, the ones in here tonight, you've been on the planet enough time. Maybe a couple of you have. You know, even a couple of you have. You've been on. If you serve God and you serve people, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be maligned, you're going to be lied against, you're going to be hurt. Right, The one who doesn't care will be the hero. And the one who does care will be the bad guy. Yeah. When, when you serve God, when you serve people, heartache and pain are part of the fringe benefits. It just is. Jesus warned us. If you listen really closely, it kind of sounds like the ministry of Jesus, doesn't it? Only ours doesn't end with the crucifixion. Yeah. So how do you go on when people want to make you quit? <laughs> at a place when Paul maybe, I'm not saying, I don't want to interject too much here, but at a place where he could have maybe just spent more time somewhere else and just said, okay, he actually went even further than he wanted to. To try to get them to turn course and get where they ought to be, how was he able to do that? Verses seven through ten. Can I tell you, Paul never said what the thorn was. God never revealed what the thorn was. Don't bother guessing. I think that's kind of futile, really. I, we, there's a lot you can a lot of inference here. I, I've heard. A lot of different things of what it was, his eyes. I think that's viable. I mean, I mean you know what, that makes, it's, it's logical anyways. I mean, some people think it's a person. Some people think it was physical ailment. Some people say it was a, a messenger. See, messenger, messenger is a person. Whatever it is, God didn't tell us. Because it wasn't the point. It wasn't the point. It was something that Paul wanted to remove, though. That's what we know. Regardless of what it was, it was something that Paul wanted removed, and it was something that Paul called an infirmity. We all know what that is, right? You know, I'm glad that God didn't reveal what it was, because whoever had what Paul had would have felt pretty good about themselves, and whoever didn't have it would have been that we would we would have uh, minimized their infirmity and be like, "Well, it wasn't it wasn't Paul's, huh, right?" Everybody's infirmity is their own infirmity, and God has allowed that. Whether it's a person, whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's, whether it's uh, I don't know, fill in the blank. I'm not doing good tonight I'm on that. <laughs> but it was an infirmity. And so what comes with an infirmity that God allows in our life? I just said it earlier. Grace. Divine enablement. God helps. God helps. You know what else comes in there? We have it here, his power. His power. His power. No wonder, Paul said, more gladly would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Look at it. Therefore will I take pleasure in infirmities? Now that sounds really weird, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, here comes another one. This is awesome. Man, this is great. This guy won't leave me alone. He's just <laughs> lied about me all over the country. Yes, this is awesome. Nobody, come on. That's, Paul says, I, I take pleasure in infirmities. Look, at, in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. Now, not of his own making. I mean, we, we, have, we do some really dumb stuff. that We say, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, you're not. You just made a really bad decision is all it was. Right? For Christ's sake. The ones that are for Christ's sake. He says, I, 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 I take pleasure in them. Why? Because he knew power of going to be here. Grace is going to be here. Yeah. You know what it caused him to do? Really, when you think about it, look at chapter 13 and verse 1. I'm not going through chapter 13. Don't get scared. Chapter thirteen, verse one, this is the third time I'm coming to you in the month of two or three, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Yeah. You know what Paul's going? You know what Paul's doing here? He's just continuing his ministry with the church at Corinth. He's not writing them off. He's not done. He's not done. Yeah. He's going on. Why? Because he knows grace and power is here. I don't know what you're going through tonight I don't know what infirmity is in your life I don't know what you're dealing with but can I tell you tonight if it's an infirmity if it's if, if it is a something that is for Christ's sake and God has allowed in your life can I tell you you can go on when you remember that the grace of God is there the divine enablement of God is there, and the power of God is there. That's where His power is at. You can go on. You can, wait, you, you can, put, you can get to places that you really didn't want to be. You can, you can stretch yourself out where you didn't want to go. You can live like you really didn't want to live, right? for Christ's sake. How can you do that? Well, that's because grace and power is there. This is what Paul he listed all of the the chapter 11, chapter 12, a little bit of, a little bit of chapter 10, 11, 12. Pretty much the end of this letter. He just poured himself out. But he's going to continue. He's not going to quit. He's not going to quit. If God has brought it in your life, don't quit. Just turn to him. Ask him for his grace. You ever do that? You ever ask, God, I need your grace right now. I need your help. I need your power. If I don't have your power right now, right, I may do something that I shouldn't do. I may go somewhere I should go. I may say something I shouldn't say. I really need your power right now. Can I tell you every time it shows up? Yeah. yeah. And not with a flash of light or anything crazy, right? You just continue, watch, you continue on with what you were doing without missing a step and being tripped up grace is enough power of God is enough when the circumstances are too much God help us tonight whatever infirmity he's allowed in your life trust him tonight continue just continue on, keep going and turn to him for the grace that you need Realize that the grace and the power is in the infirmity. It's there. Because yeah. if you try to, watch, if you try to put it off, I mean, you guys can see it, right? If you try to put the infirmity off and, and try to get rid of it, like, oh, i got to get out of this as quick as possible. Well, you're getting away from where the grace and the power is. I'm not saying you go out and look for it either. I mean, we're not like weird like that either. Father, thank you tonight for. <coughs> this lengthy, lengthy portion of Scripture. We see the heart of Paul. We see a lot of reasons to really just to kind of quit and go on. Go to go spend your time at another church and spend more time over with these people. I mean, good grief, let's go spend some more time at Philippi. They actually love me instead of hanging around this place. Thankful, Lord, that you one of this recorded and we got to read this. I'm thankful that we see a little bit, a little bit, one of the keys to Paul's ability to continue. He, he, was, he was tapped in to your grace. He was tapped into your power. Maybe that uh, other infirmity here, I mean, he's learned that a little bit. But I'm thankful, Lord, that he's able to stay where you want him. Lord, you've brought things into our life that are for the cause of Christ. They're hard, and at times we may want to walk away from them. But Father, I'm thankful that your grace and your power is there, in there, in that in that, what we might think of is an infirmity, it's there. And Lord, help us to just turn to you. And rest on you. And depend on that grace. And ask for that power. Every time we need it. That you'd be glorified. That the people that you've put in our life. That we need to minister to. That they would be. They would either come to Christ. Or they'd be matured in Christ. And grow. Whatever the need is there. That you'd help us to be used for that. Lord we thank you for these things. Thank you for hope. Thank you for hope. We thank you for a purpose and reason that you show us here, and uh, we thank you for these things in Jesus' name, amen. We're not going to have an invitation tonight, we'll just take a moment, let's just take just a few minutes, and you can just stay where you are just for a few minutes, we'll be quiet, and the Lord has spoken to you and you need to deal with him, you may do that. We don't have any instrument to play right now, but uh, we don't always need an instrument for that. So I'll just give you a moment.